Welcome into another edition of Jaguars Reporters. It is Tuesday, week four coming up. We'll look ahead to the Falcons-Jaguars game at Wembley in London. The first of back-to-back games for the Jaguars in the UK. But the first part of this podcast, uh, by the way, J.P. Shadrick, Kai Stevens, Brian Sexton, John Osher, the Jaguars reporters, hence the name. We review week three. The Texans came in here and knocked off the Jaguars 37-17. And we, we heard from Doug Peterson on Monday and seemed a little more collected than he was after the game, Kai. He didn't have any answers Sunday afternoon and into the evening. Just uh, and you could tell by the tone that he was just so almost aghast at what had happened. I don't think he had been around a performance like that before, and just trying to make sense of where this team is right now. But uh, what did you what did you see moving forward from Doug on Monday? Well, I was with Doug on Sunday where I was like, I don't think I've seen anything that looked quite like that either because it was all phases of the game. Normally, if you lose a football game, it's one or two. Th- to two things, not offense, defense, and special teams making errors, mental mistakes, drops, um, just physical mistakes, penalties, dumb penalties. Uh, and I think I'm assuming, I'm not going to speak for Doug himself, but when you look at the tape, I would find some solace in the fact it's you're doing this to yourself. I don't think you're going out there with a roster that's not good enough and you're just getting outworked. I think a lot of the mistakes and the problems are what you are doing. So in that regard, at least – one would think once you identify them, you should be able to fix them. You ever been in your pantry and you reach up for a can and you knock over a can that knocks over the rice that knocks over the pancake mix and everything comes falling down at you and you're trying to catch it all at once? That must be what it feels like to be the Jaguars head coach right now. What's your home life like? I was going to say. What's it reaching into the pantry? Stacked cupboard. chaos in the Texans. I've had that moment where you reach for something and you think, this is going to be really easy. I thought the Texans game should be easy for them. And all of a sudden, now you're trying to catch things. Like, how did this happen, right? Um, That must be what it must feel like at times for Doug this week. Because... You know, last week you're trying to get your offense started, and this week it's not just the offense that's coming at you. It's the defensive problems and special teams on top of it. I mean, it's like, please, stop. Someone help me pick this up. It sounds like he was optimistic and liked what he heard from players after the game when he talked to them. I don't know that he had talked to as many when he talked after the game as he had on Monday. It certainly sounded like he liked their tone and their focus, what they were saying. But I also think he knows this is a big week. I mean, it, um, games like last Sunday's uh, can be watershed moments in the wrong direction. Uh, Doug's really good historically at guiding teams through this. He did it last year. I mean, it, it, this was not a good team for the first eight weeks, and he kept staying the course. This felt different than that. Um, and he said it on Monday. You don't usually have games where it's – it's all three phases like that. So big moment, and I think this is where uh, you're glad to have him in the room. Yeah, the last year, the first half, I mean, they were in those games. They had fourth-quarter leads and lost them. It wasn't like they were getting their doors blown off on all three phases like they did on Sunday. Uh, so that's the that's the different feel of this thing, at least so far. And, you know, it's almost uncharted water for uh, Doug Peterson, and we'll see if the, the players can respond this week. I mean, the, the the thing that turned the game, obviously, was the, the kickoff return. Yeah. And they were right there with a touchdown. They had moved the football. They had scored twice. All right. Well, that had happened, and I don't know if I've seen one like that before, Brian. Well, I was texting with a former 
special teams coach from here uh, who I've kept in touch with through the years. And I asked him, have you seen that before? And he said, well, with the caveat of if you're in this game long enough, you'll see everything. No, I've never seen that before. And he said, it's easy to see why it happened because you have guys who are racing to the ball without knowing which one of those two guys are going to pick it up. Because remember, there were two guys around the football. And they just went in there you know, on fire and they lost their containment. And you let a guy, JP, at 255 pounds, a fullback, beat you to the end zone for an 85-yard touchdown. No, I've never seen anything like that before. And at that moment, I said, they're not winning this ball game. If that happens, then everything is going wrong today. Well, I say it's a game of inches and moments for a reason. And I, I think we all felt as poorly as we're talking about this team playing, and it played awfully in the first half, I, Doug, when he was talking about this, made clear that was a good kick. In terms of what they were trying to do, it it hit at the right spot. It got the result they wanted. It 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 was chaos by the Texans for a minute, and in that moment, you felt like if the Jaguars recover this, or it felt like momentum Jaguars. Um, had they stopped them there, don't you feel like this is a fourth quarter game? Sure. Yeah. And and be. so I mean that's where. It's such a game of inches sometimes that those kind of things can turn. Uh, but it didn't. No. <laughs> no. I wish I had more along those lines. But, uh, you know, uh, Trevor, after the game, really summed it up. You can't always depend on being able to come back like they did last year. And that showed you why. When you're down, one little thing that goes against you, and all of a sudden it's too much of a mountain to climb. You can't put yourself in that position, which is what Trevor kind of alluded to. We we put ourselves in that position where you're depending on that, and you shouldn't be at that point. For special teams, for me, a lot of that, yeah, it was a weird, wacky play, but like it's discipline at a certain level too, right? Because how much of special teams is, you know, you're trying to make the team, so you're on special teams, but you've got to stay where you're supposed to be. And I understand that there's that instinct of seeing the football and you just go for it. But some of these guys, you know, this is their sole role on the team is special teams. So to just completely abandon where you're supposed to be in at that time is, is tough to watch. Well, the coverage teams have been pretty good around here. They've been great. And I think that's true. Yeah. That's true as well. They, you know, turned the tide in that Colts yeah. game, um, that return by Agnew. They've been doing that, you know, forcing a turnover against the chiefs that unfortunately the Jags offense didn't capitalize on, but, they, uh, you know, they, they, they recovered, recovered that fumble. Yeah, it was nice. So, like, they've been doing great, and they're smart, and they understand that. I think that just makes it so much more frustrating because you're like, you're smart. Don't do dumb things. Agnew might be the best example right now. He has three fumbles in his last four games, yeah. and those fumbles all came at critical moments in the ball game. You want to talk about someone who's pressing and trying to make a play? We all know what he's capable of doing. He won the game, as far as I'm concerned, in Indianapolis with his, you know, 46-yard punt return. Here's a guy who last week, you know, trying to make a play, trying to get ahead of Kansas City, feeling the heat. And then, you know, yesterday, you got the ball and you're in a perfect spot to at least get a field goal, maybe a touchdown at the half. He had both arms on it. He took a heck of a lick either way. I mean, I I don't know what else. He had every – he did everything right. Sometimes it doesn't work for you. But he's – if I use any player as an example of trying to make a play, I think of him. By the way, Andrew Beck, the fullback, uh, started his career in 2019 with Denver as a tight end. Uh, he had five. You're just making it worse. Five you're carries in the NFL in his career. You should have seen his. Look and he had line. 14 catches in the NFL in oh. his career before yesterday. And um, well, good for Andrew. There Beck. you go. He had a big smile, a big cheesy I'm, smile. I'm I'm sure. I, I don't blame him. I would too. Why wouldn't you be happy?
I bet he did. All right. Having a great time over there. I wasn't. <laughs> hey, let's get to this uh, Jaguars defense this past week and the lack of pass rush on C.J. Stroud. You know, going into the game, obviously, 19 hits, 11 sacks in two weeks on Stroud. The Jaguars had four quarterback hits, zero sacks of Stroud, and he showed poise in the pocket. Even when it was collapsing, he would step in or slide or buy a little extra time to make a completion. And on the, the big third down play late, stood in there against a blitz, they picked it up, and they convert the first down on a long pass. I mean, how much of that is rush? How much of that is Stroud in the line? I mean, that, that was obviously the one that really got Doug after the game, uh, John, when like the eight-second delay when he was thinking yeah. about how to answer it. Yeah, and I took that more that he's trying to make sure that um, like when I was asked in multiple emails last night about the pass rush, I kept going back. Well, the pass rush wasn't good, but you know, join the party. What was you know? So yep. to pick out the pass rush out of that game, yeah, the pass rush wasn't good, but you know, the pass rush wasn't dropping balls in the first half. Yep. wasn't missing field goals, et cetera. So I think it it was really collective. And my sense was that was why Doug sort of had that long delay. It was like, look, the pass rush wasn't good on, on Sunday, but it hadn't been bad the first two games. The fan base really wants to hang the pass rush because that's been such a narrative. Uh, so I, I, I think we have to wait to see if that's going to be all season, but it was not good on Sunday. Uh, here's where I, I disagree slightly. Um, that was an offensive line playing without one of the best left tackles in football with a backup left guard, with a backup center, and a backup right tackle. I think the reason I was so incredibly confident that the Jaguars would win yesterday was because I thought they would win the battle at the line of scrimmage and get a quarterback who was beaten up the first two weeks in terms of being hit and sacked. They'd get him on the ground. I just I figured that was a matchup the Jaguars were going to win. Hey, maybe Josh Allen's shoulder was giving him more problems, but you know where was Trayvon? Kayla Vaughn got a couple of hits, but... It was just so inconsistent against a bad offensive line. That's the part that I'm chewing on mentally this week is neither line played well and neither line for Houston was overly talented or healthy. Doug was asked about it again on Monday, kind of the same question about what's up with the pass rush. And he, he did a shorter pause this time and he said, I think it comes down to want to, right? We have, we're, they're putting all their full faith in them. Those guys need to want to be pass rushers we see that from Josh at times but as we mentioned he has been dealing with a shoulder injury not to couch that for him but that's got to be part of the equation but other than Josh I don't really see the I have not seen so far this season that want to that just I'm going to get there no matter what Um, and if you don't have that you can't have a successful pass rush final thought about last week's game in the offense and Calvin Ridley a couple of drops a couple false starts Doug Peterson talked about it Monday also having to Kind of go up to him on the sideline, mm-hmm. keep him involved, and, and remind him, hey, we need you. We need your, your energy. We need your mindset and, and your talent in this game. And, you know, it's a couple of weeks in a row he's been quiet, John. You've got to get him on track at some point. Well, I thought his answer to your question, JP, was uh, pretty insightful. And, you know, it's hard to really know always what pressing looks like because it's hard to look at one play and say, well, this guy was pressing. Maybe he just got hit like Jamal Agnew. But I, I, I'm hard-pressed to find a better look at what pressing looks like than what Calvin's looked like last couple of weeks. I don't think it's lack of desire for him. I don't think it's lack of ability. But it does seem like he wants to score three touchdowns on every play. And he's capable of scoring at least one on every play. Uh, 
the first play, the first drive of the game, and again, I think Cal Ren is going to be good for this team. First drive of the game, that drop was a killer. Yeah. Yep. And it, it, it was a hard catch, but it's also the kind of catch that I know if you ask Calvin, he said, well, yeah, it probably bothered him for a couple of series yeah. because that's one he should have made. He's on TV if he makes it. It's, it's his moment, and he dropped it. And it does look like he is really uh, – I'm not even sure it's rust. I think it's more just – Anxiety. Over effort on every play. I um, imagine how he's going to be this week. I mean, it's his former team, mm-hmm. right? So I, I said on our Jags AM show on Monday that I, I thought that they needed to lean away from Calvin. Now, Doug intimated that maybe they were trying to do a little bit of that, but it feels to me like they have tweaked this offense to be Calvin Ridley-focused. And last year, you didn't have that alpha, right? But you had Christian Kirk, who had a career year, Evan Ingram, who had a career year, Zay Jones, who had a career year, so, you know, my overly simplistic idea is lean back in the other direction and make him part of it until he's comfortable enough to be that focal guy. Big challenge this week for Chad Hall, Press Taylor, and the head coach because I imagine if he's anxious in a game against the Texans, my word, right? But he, he strikes me as a guy who gets overly anxious to make, you know, a huge play every time. Imagine what it could be like this week at Wembley against the Falcons. My guess is going to be big. I also think there's some human nature, uh, Kai, with if you're Trevor and you sort of know that the offense, a lot of it's situational, it's third and eight and we need to play. Well, I like zero. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> I, exactly. I, I like everybody that option. Zero. You know, and you're back there and you're under a little bit of pressure and your thought is, well, sometimes in this situation, I've got to throw the ball up to a guy and trust he's going to make a play. Well, in your gut, who better to do that with than the playmaker? So I think that's happened a couple of times where he's thrown, you know, it almost, as Brian says, Kai, has to be a concerted effort to say, okay, we're not going to do that. I'm going to make sure that I distribute it. Uh, but, again, I, I kind of get it. I, I, I think if I was playing quarterback, I'd like to throw to him too. Well, yeah, you're always going to want to get in the fast car, right? Right. We talked a lot of preseason about Calvin. Of course, we've all been excited to add him to the offense. I was a little hesitant because I didn't know if that trust factor was going to be there, if we were going to see him be what we expect of Calvin right out of the gate. Now, the trust factor has been there from Trevor. He's more than happy to throw it up to him, and he's thrown some dimes, some great Mm -hmm. throws, and Calvin hasn't come up with it. And that's Calvin being hard on himself. That's Calvin psyching himself up, and those are hard plays to make. He is in double coverage, but we know he's physically able to do that. It's just the mental aspect. And I think now with going forward, seeing how this is, there does need to be a shift because Calvin is getting doubled, so that means somebody else is open. So you have other weapons. We talked about how stacked this offense is. They need to utilize that, and then when Calvin is open – then you throw him those balls. And I think when the focus is less on him, the spotlight is less on him, that's when he will shine. And he's like a streaky hitter. He's like, um, you know, a hot shot in basketball. Like, you need to get him in that groove. You can't just go to someone that's cold and expect them to make these crazy plays and save you um, when things aren't going well. Well, let's take this show international. Uh, All right, we'll, sure. we'll come back in a moment and preview week four. The Falcons and Jaguars coming up. This is Jaguars Reporters. Welcome back to the Jaguars Reporters Podcast. J.P. Shattuck, Brian Sexton, John Osher, Kai Stevens. The Falcons and the Jaguars coming up at Wembley Stadium, London. The Jaguars have not won a game at Wembley since 2017. They're on a three-game skid in that building. There was no game in 2020. 
They played at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in 2021, the last second field goal to beat the Dolphins. So they got to get back on track in that regard, certainly. They're playing a Falcons team that lost this past week. They're now 2-1. and one. Bijan Robinson has really been the star for the Falcons on offense on the ground, and he is the leading receiver in terms of catches for the Falcons, second in receiving yards. Uh, they've got tight ends. John o. Smith is there. We know all about him. Kyle Pitts, a big fellow from Florida. Uh, it's a team that's 2-1, and one, and the Jaguars are 1-2, and two, and you got to get this done, or uh, you think it's hot right now, Kai. Guess what? This will be a turning point, either good or bad, after last game on Sunday, and I I don't ever say you don't want to scout your opponent, but this really feels like a game where they need to focus on themselves, because if the Jaguars can get out of their own way and play as good as we expect a roster of this caliber to play, that will benefit them. Yes, of course, you don't want to underscore um, your opponent and, and get away from that, but a lot of this week I feel like needs to be just looking at yourself in the mirror. You know, Desmond Ritter was under some scrutiny. The Falcons, I should say, were under some scrutiny for not improving that position, not making a move in the draft to go get a quarterback. And they said all along they had confidence in the second-year quarterback from Cincinnati. Well, he's got enough weapons that make him look good. I mean, you mentioned Kyle Pitts, who's what, six foot six? Big. Yeah, he's, he's a matchup nightmare. Yeah. And then Johnny Smith, we've seen enough of that to know what that is. But then you've got Drake London, who is coming off of an injury year in his rookie season, who's a six foot five wide receiver. So you've got matchup problems all over the board. You've got to be on your game uh, if you're Mike Caldwell to make sure you've got the guys that you want. And then we you know, learned today that there's an issue with Devin Lloyd's hand, and Devin Lloyd is one of those big, long coverage kind of linebackers, and we'll wait to see whether he's even available to them on Sunday. And, and of course, you start focusing on those, John, and all of a sudden here comes B. John Robinson. Now, the Packers did a really bad job against him. He ran for 124. He had 48 yards receiving. Last week, the Lions, you know, they held him to 33 because they got a lead, and then they held him to 27 as a receiver. So, I mean, the key to be able to play these Falcons with all their mismatches is the offense to put points on the board. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with what Kai said earlier. It's, it, it's a matchup league. You always have to be concerned. Um, but if, if we're sitting in here every Monday breaking down some details of what the defense did wrong, this team's built to win offensively, the Jags. They've got to be more reliable. You can't go six quarters at home without a touchdown if you're this team. So, uh, to me, the focus, I understand defense wins championships, all that, but if, if in the next two or three weeks you don't get a feeling that you're going to be able to rely on this offense to be smooth, to be productive, to be uh, where it can flex, where you're depending on 27, 30 a game from them, um, they're in trouble if they're not if they're not that kind of offense. And it it's about getting their minds right, letting it come to them, et cetera, et cetera, all those things we're talking about. But the thing that concerns me about that, JP, is you're a baseball guy. Uh, used it's to be a long time are. ago. Yeah, yeah, I mean, sure. uh, how many times did you see when your home run hitter started having tight fists mm-hmm. and you started going after a home run on every mm-hmm. at-bat, all of a sudden – it causes a slump because you're trying to hit it, hit it every time. That's what you sort of worry about with this offense is coming out and trying to hit a home run on every play. And I'm not saying anything new. Doug's talked about it for two weeks. But they got to get that right. The Dolphins hit home runs on a lot of plays this week. But I bet they, they, weren't must be. they weren't trying, though. They were running the ball. I bet it wasn't McGuire going to the plate yeah. trying to jack one out every <laughs> – I went every looking bat. for when the last time there was a 300-yard passer, 
a 200-yard rusher and a 150-yard receiver. Couldn't find it. Wow. That doesn't mean it hasn't happened. Yeah, that's right. But it probably hasn't. It's right. I mean, 700 it, yards offense is. I mean, 726. <laughs> yeah, that's a number of touchdowns. And they were eight shy of the record or something. Like that. You know, so of yards, yeah, they were yeah. three of points. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's impressive. It's amazing. Um, one of these days, maybe the Jaguars' offense will at least get closer to that direction than they were the last two weeks. It's a tough schedule coming up. Of course, at Wembley, the the Falcons game this Sunday. Two weeks at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. In northeast London, it is the Bills playing host to the Jaguars. Then it's back home in Jacksonville against the Colts, who will want a redo of the first game. Who lead the division, by the way. And, and who might have Jonathan Taylor. And uh, then it's a short week to New Orleans, right? Yes, yeah. it is. For Thursday night football. Uh, and those are really tough on the road. It's pro football, JP. It's hard. They're all hard. <laughs> Some are harder than most. But they're all hard. All right. This team needs to stop making it difficult on themselves. They're but, making it harder on themselves the last two weeks than they need to with the miscues. Got to settle down and don't make it harder than it has to be. Let's see if they can get on track at Wembley. Kai Stevens, Brian Sexton, John Ozier, I'm J.P. Shadrick. Thank you for listening to Jaguars Reporters.